Well, good evening, everyone. I just need your attention for a few moments. Um, it's Saturday night. Normally, we'll have the prelude and get into the service. Tonight, I want to, to say a few things before I lead this congregation into prayer. And um, as you notice, Sister Chandra is not here because I advised her to stay. I give advice these days when someone needs to stay in bed and have things worked out in their lives, then it's necessary to do that. Uh, so I told her she needed to stay home tonight and um, take a break. And Brother Sam is still not well, and I agree with him that he has uh, his condition checked out thoroughly because he did a major um, surgery. He did major operations on his body. And uh, because of that, you know, there's nothing minor. Uh, even if you do a little anesthesia, it's not minor. A colonoscopy is not minor. Uh, nothing is minor these days when you go in there and you're in the doctor's office anything can happen that can go wrong and so brother sam um, is not well and he is running a temperature so we want to find out why is he running a temperature he's not like seriously ill but if you're running a temperature and it's continuous coming on and off then you need to find out what's the reason for it somebody who says take a couple of tylenol well tylenol and every other medication like that advil um, if you take advil it will ease up the the condition uh, but it's a band-aid it's not telling you what the problem is i remember some time ago i was traveling to rochester and i started real good and by the time i decided we started to leave i had this serious pain in my right foot you know where the bunion is and it accompanied me all the way to rochester and so it was so terrible i could not even wear proper shoes and so i went to the pharmacy and um i told the lady at the pharmacy the pharmacist i said i've got um, bunion that's bothering me it's really hurting me is there something you have she said can I take a look at it in the pharmacy and she looked at it and she said that's not bunion that's gout I said what she says that's gout it's a rich man's sickness uh, when a man is eating healthy I said that's not me as uh, she said that's a rich man's sickness it's there but here is what you need to do Go home and take four 200 milligrams of Advil. Now, one of the Advil tablets is 200 milligrams. She said, take four of that, and that's 800 milligrams of Advil. She said, that's prescription strength. Um, Advil is something you don't take a long time because it can destroy your kidneys and affect your liver. She says, take that and see what happens, and then if it becomes necessary in six hours, take another set. But then if that does not help, you see the doctor. So I went home and I took 800 milligrams of Advil and like a miracle. And I did not even pray over the thing. 
I just uh, took the Advil and it knocked that gout uh, down so it did not bother me. So what did I do? Just buy a bunch of Advil and come home? No, I went online and I found out what affects uh, the body that will create gout and um, what are the natural things I should use to help me uh, defeat this problem. So it was not, Advil was not the solution. Advil was the band-aid. And when you have a problem in your body and you take a little Tylenol or Advil, it's not gonna solve the problem. You have to find out why your body is reacting the way it is. And so I would like Brother Sam to completely check that out because we are not spring chickens and things would go wrong in our bodies and when we have a little problem, we need to add years to our lives by being healthy and doing the right thing. And so tonight, uh, we want to pray for Sister Chandri, that the Lord will help her, pray for Brother Sam, that the Lord will help him to discover what this little, temp what, why is the temperature continuously there? And uh, we want to pray for the rest of the fellowship. Is there any special need that individuals have today? That Sister Joanne is not well. We want to remember her in prayer. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, years ago, you can read about various plagues and pandemics and things that affected the world. But they came and they went. Since COVID-19 came... There's all kinds of things following it. And this morning I heard about um, another variant of the bird flu that has similar symptoms. So you don't know if you got COVID-19 or you've got bird flu. And some of these things are plaguing the world. Now, prior to COVID-19, it might've been in the year 2017, I posted something in Facebook, and let me see if I can actually find it here uh, tonight in 2019, prior to COVID-19. I put uh, two scriptures in Facebook, and I put a little note on it. It says, two challenging passages it was 2000, February 2018. Uh, two challenging passages of scripture. Uh, the first taken from Isaiah 24 is very prophetic and describes God's judgment on the earth as a result of man's transgression of God's laws. Note that all transgressors are judged, whether it be priest or people. This was done in the year 2000, February 2018. COVID-19 got its name because it was in the year 2019 that it started. One year prior to that, um, the little brains of mine got influenced to put a scripture. So the first scripture, the second scripture is specifically directed to God's people who are called by his name. It behooves everyone who identifies themselves as God's people to genuinely examine themselves and adjust accordingly for the sake of saving 
our land, God's people, adjust their lives, live godly to save the land. If there were ten righteous in Sodom, only ten righteous in Sodom, the city would have probably been saved. I wonder how many righteous would it take today to withhold God's wrath from our cities. So I believe if this church is of God and there's ten righteous in this church, it will save this com community from coming under the judgment of God. I honestly believe that. It does not save us from old age. It does not save us from uh, problems in our body that will deteriorate and cause us to die. But it will save us from the overall judgment of God in society. First scripture reads like this, and if I can get it here, it says, Behold, can you flash that up for me, Isaiah 24? Isaiah 24, um, I don't know what verse. It says, Behold the Lord, yes, verse 1. Uh, verse 1 to verse 6. It says, Behold the Lord maketh the earth empty. How is the Lord making the earth empty? By allowing people to die. By the, not only hundreds, but by the thousands, and going on to be sometimes millions. COVID-19 uh, did not take a lot of lives. It took a lot of lives. I'm not sure how many lives got taken by COVID-19. It might have been six million, I'm not sure. Uh, it might have been six million people lost their lives as a result of COVID-19. But um, the Lord emptied the earth. You find that? Uh, COVID-19. Um, 6.87 oh, a little over 6 million people died COVID-19. The Black Plague, if I can remember that clearly, it took 200 million. If I can remember statistics. So COVID-19 is not as bad, but it seems like this is persistent. Uh, when one part of it is gone, another part is coming in. And society is not making changes. So the scripture I posted in 2018 on Facebook, and if you don't like Facebook, yeah, that's up to you. Uh, make yourself happy. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattered abroad the inhabitants thereof. He didn't say the devil did. It says God did. Next verse. And it shall be as with the people, the ones in the street and the congregation. Remember, most of these scriptures were written to a nation that was religious. So it was talking about the religious people sitting in the congregation. As with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with the mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. So not only are the people in the religion uh, getting affected, people in business are getting affected. It says, as with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver 
of usury, and that's interest. Next verse. He says, the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. Now, this was the nation of Israel, God's people. And one of the things that we all must remember, every time God sent a prophet, you enjoy reading the book of Isaiah, you enjoy reading the book of Jeremiah, you enjoy reading some of these prophets. But remember, every time God sent a prophet, it was because Israel, God's people, God's chosen people, were always in rebellion and full of iniquity. Every time. A prophet would not come if the people were living holy. It was always, your Bible would be a very thin Bible, Old Testament, if the people, the nation of Israel was living godly. The reason why Isaiah came, Israel was corrupted. The reason why Jeremiah came, Israel was corrupted. And the world today that we are living in is corrupted. The churches are corrupted, the society is corrupted, the nation is corrupted, word terms and terminologies have changed to accommodate immorality. That's the age we're living in. We're living in a bad time. It's a good time because God has chosen us to live this time, but it's a bad time. Uh, today I was in a doctor's office, uh, chatting with him for a little, and this Cameroonian doctor, a doctor from Cameroon, was there and we talked, and he wants to tell me about what's happening in society that marriages can't last long because, and you can see he's struggling to tell me. What he wanted to tell me, and I can read between the lines, was the male figure in the home has deteriorated in his authority that God had given him, and the female figure in the home has taken control. That's what he was telling me. But he didn't want to implicate himself because he's a man of the world. But he's from Cameroon, and he wanted to say society cannot last because nobody wants to stay in a marriage long enough. They want to get out of it. Nobody wants to be in submission to anything. They want to get out of it. Uh, words are changed because immorality has have, have predominance in society. And the politicians are submitting to the demands of the ungodly population. The only hope society has is when Jesus comes back and establishes God's kingdom on this earth. And when that happens, there'll come a time when the curse would be lifted, when we'll be free from uh, this bondage of corruption. And he goes on to say, uh, next verse, it says, the earth mourned. Seems like the earth is mourning. Well, it is morning. Is there a day that goes by and no, not that somewhere has an earthquake or a flood or a fire burning in the summer? Fire is burning everything in the winter. Destruction all over the place. Put my radio on. Now I don't like to listen to the news because as soon as I put it on, like they know I'm listening. Guess what comes up? Sports. 
And guess what I do? Turn it off or mute it. That's me. I can't blame people out there wanting to enjoy something in life. If people want to enjoy sports, that's up to them. Not me. It's something about me that does not click with it. See, I feel, I feel that there, I have to do what I feel I have to do. And I'm listening to the news and they said they, the polar regions, the ice cap is melting. And if it does completely melt and the polar regions have lost all their ice, New York would be flooded over. They said as much as skyscrapers would be flooded over. Sin is causing the earth to mourn. The earth mourneth and faded away, the world languisheth and faded away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The people that are exalted and proud would languish. And this is back there in the days of Isaiah. When we read the book of Revelation out ahead of us, there'd be collapse of economy that the rich and the haughty and the proud and the exalted and the arrogant would always also languish right here ahead of us. I'm not here to condemn uh, the people that are educated and the people that are rich. I'm here condemning sin. Whether you're in the church or out of the church, sin must be dealt with. But if the church fails to communicate with God and maintain a standard of godliness, society is damned. Because if we're the salt of the earth and the salt has lost its savor, society is damned. That is why... We must understand what the scripture is telling us. So the earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they've transgressed the laws of God and changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. One more verse. Therefore had the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And few men left. Isaiah is having a vision of the future. In Isaiah chapter 24, and it goes on, uh, further on, I, I didn't put all of that, but further on it tells you about uh, the houses are locked up. You remember when COVID started? You could not even go out. Well, there comes a time when society, in spite of us trying to be bold, we might have to be locked down. And this is not the final judgment of God. This is just a little touch of judgment. And then the next scripture I had that I posted was uh, our popular scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And we can read this. You know, when we talk about, um, we talk about the people of God. And when it says, if my people, when I say God is calling his people to come out of Babylon, come out of her, say that, my who, my people. my people, 
come out of her. Oh no, brother Singh, that's not us. That's somebody else out there. No, 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 that's us. If we are God's people, that's the scripture means for us. Because we can be sitting here and full of Babylon. Full of our, of our customs. Full of our iniquity. Full of all her, some of our doctrines are corrupt. God's people cannot go closer to the world. We're here today. Excuse me. Um, in Revelation chapter 14, I'm coming back to that scripture. Let me finish this one. If my people, which are called by my name, who is that? God's people in any age. If God's people, which are called by his name, shall humble themselves. You know that's a hard thing for people to do. Because we're too busy exalting ourselves. We are the body of Christ. Respect us. No, no, no. The body of Christ is a humble group of people. If being the part of the body makes you proud, exalted, cocky, and ignorant, you're not a body. You miss the body. You're in the wrong body. See, when I came into the America in 1975 and somebody says brother Singh you're talking about yourself guess what you want me to talk about who who you want me to talk about I'm trying to trace back and say do you know I stood here right in this place and after COVID-19 started and I says something about cruise ship I don't remember when was that I said Suddenly, out of the blues, I said something that. Right before I went to Haiti, I said, God will judge cruise ships. I did not have any pick on cruise ships. And do you know, they came that time, all the cruise ships got judged and stopped. You think I was smart? I heard from an angel in the night. No, no, no. Sometimes I open my mouth and dumb things comes out. But sometimes the word of God comes out and it pays individuals to pay attention to that because if truth is being given and you love not the truth God will give you a strong delusion that you believe a lie and be damned truth doesn't come from a man uh, dressed in tuxedo no it can come from a man dressed in camel's hair all he had to tell you was what God said, and that was truth. It was not the volume that Caiaphas had or Gamaliel had. It was just a simple message God gave John. He opened his mouth and he says, repent, and for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was truth that was intended to set people free in that time. So if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, so you humble yourselves and pray. And I tell you what, today I thought about it. I'm getting my own things done and I'm thinking about it. When I give an offering to the church, 
God's really broken. He needs my money. Huh? No. My offering does more for me if it's given sincerely. It does more for me than it does for the church. Because it shows my respect, the quality of my offering, the gift that I'm giving. It shows my, my, the position I place God in my life. If I'm giving him the blind and the lame and the perverted and some little extra change, it does not work with God. Your offering helps you to come in a better position with God. So, Paul has a thorn in the flesh, and I'm going to fast and pray for 20 days. Is that going to heal him? No. But I must be able to learn how to pray. Pray according to the will of God. And as a young man growing up, I've seen, almost seen it all. I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen miracles happen. I've heard people speak in tongues and all kinds of languages until we cast the devil out. I've seen, seen it all. You cast the devil out or the devil cast you out. I've seen it. So when I stand here today, I'm not a novice in office. I'm looking back and there's a trail of where I'm coming from. And I've not gone back. I've moved ahead. And truth has become a part of my life. And I'm at this point in life right now. I preach the truth. And if you like it, the good for you. And if you don't, it does not affect me. I can't judge you based on the, the life you live. God must judge you. You're my enemy, I must pray for you, it changes my attitude. My praying for my enemy is meant for me. The enemy might never get converted, but it gives me a better attitude. My prayer is important because how I pray and the attitude I have. If I go down and start to pray and fast and when I get up, well, praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. You know, you all have to respect me now because I'm fa I fasted today and I fast. Listen, fasting is good, but if fasting, if your fasting exalts your spirit, you have not fasted. You wasted. You starved. Prayer brings a brokenness. I pray because I need God to help me. It's not chanting a prayer. It's not reciting a prayer. The world does that. Muslims do that. Catholics do that. Hindus do that. All around the world. When I pray, I'm praying because there's a God that's real. And if he answers my prayer because I'm bringing a request of someone to him, I'm not going to command him to do that. No, I'm asking him. Father, which art in heaven, your name is hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. It's your will, Father, that has to be done on earth as your will is done in heaven. Give me this month 
my daily bread. You see, a lot of things we have in society destroys our faith. When you have a bank account so strong that you don't need to trust God, it would dampen your prayer life. Your bank account, if you're a child of God and you got a nice bank account, it should not destroy your confidence and faith in God. Are you all listening to me? Because Israel did that. When Israel built good house homes and had better homes, God says, be careful now. When you've had good homes and you've had a good life and things are prosperous, lest you forget me. God says, be careful now that you don't forget me. You don't forget where I've brought you from the house of bondage and where you are today. Don't forget it. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? So not only do you humble yourself, the next step is after you humble yourself. Your approach to God will be different. You're not commanding God. That's arrogance. You're talking to a dignity. You're talking to the creator of the universe. Humble yourself. And unless we can humble ourselves, we cannot effectively pray. Listen to this talk tonight. Unless you develop a sense of brokenness and humility, you can't effectively pray. You'll be praying like the Pharisees did, pray with yourself. That's what they did. They prayed with themselves. You know if that Pharisee had some sin in his life that bust him up, he would have had a different approach to God. Even sin had its purpose. That's why the man who was a sinner bowed his head. He did not feel he was worthy to even stand before God. He bowed his head and he said, Father, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And guess who went home justified? The sinner did. That's what Jesus meant when he says, He that is forgiven much will love much. When you come into church and you're self-righteous and already made up in your own little category, God can't help you. And I've seen individuals that I've taken out of the quagmire, they say, of sin and evil. Is that the right word? Something like that, quagmire. I don't know what that means. But you come out of the dunghill and I take you and I work with you and teach you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son and a few other scriptures, and then you can start to preach. If your heart is not open to God, it will exalt you. The same word that will save someone, the same world, word will destroy another one. And a sword could either, uh, you, could even, you know, a, a, a surgeon's knife could take away that cancer, or he could stab his wife. A gun could be a protector or a weapon of destruction. And the greatest weapon of all destruction is this one that is intended to give life. Can bring death and disaster to individuals that manipulate the use of the word of God to their own glory and self-adoration.
So we humble ourselves. Then we pray. That's when it will be effectively. Then we seek God's face. You think that's five minutes? Rushing, rushing, rushing? No, we don't seek God like we should. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to us. We serve God at our convenience. It's like a convenience store, Christianity. You know, every one of these subjects I'm talking about, I wrote something about it. Brother Kirk called me, and we had a nice chat. He says, you know, Brother Singh, it's Black History Month, and I'm giving a talk in prison. And he says, some dignitaries are coming in to listen to me. I say, he says, should I welcome them at the start? Or should I welcome them at the end? I said, well, it's good to welcome the ones that came early at the start and then welcome everybody again at the end. He says, yes, I will. I said, what are you going to tell these people, Black History Month? He says, I got some history I can pull up and, 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 and talk about it. I said, that's very good. And then when you finish, ask them what happened to Brown History Month. I said, do you know Egyptians held the Jews in captivity? Everybody in the world had a period of time that they suffered. But you and I today, we're glad that God is saving us and we can't be like everybody. So whether you're celebrating Easter, you're selling, celebrating Black History Month, knock yourself out. I want to celebrate salvation that God has placed in my heart and that God has brought me out of a corrupted world and brought me into the church and I praise God for it. The world is never fair. You think it's fair today? It's going to be fair today and wrong tomorrow. The world is an evil system. And it goes on to say, seek his face. It's not easy seeking his face. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God says my people has wicked ways that they need to turn from. He says, then, then. And I'm going to tell God, no, 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 no. Change your attitude, change your ways, change your habits. Make, make sure that you're coming before God with brokenness and humility. Then he will hear from heaven. Screaming does make a difference. Then he will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal the society or the land that you're living in. Right here, before I close this, this little talk with you here tonight, uh, in Revelation, the 13th chapter, um, John is writing here, and it's a beautiful area of the Word of God that I don't know, <clears throat> um, but it talks about the beast. This Revelation 13 is speaking about our day. Our day. This period of time we are living in. Revelation is prophesying about our time. 
When John was writing this, he did not even understand what he was writing about. You and I would understand this better today. Because it stood and John saw this beastly government coming out of the earth. Verse 3, having seven heads. Uh, uh, and uh, Seven heads, where is that? And ten horns. It says, verse 3, And I saw one of the heads as it was wounded to death. And the deadly wound was healed. We believe if we are correct, and it's not speculation, we believe that the head that was wounded is Roman Catholicism during the Dark Ages. But it was not killed, it was wounded. So if I am a beast and I have seven heads and one of the head is wounded, the beast is still alive. Just, just the head, not killed, but wounded. But the beast is still alive. The beast has never died. It's always been alive. It used their various heads to deal with different civilizations. And we're seeing already the seventh head was healed. And it goes on here and it says, all the world, verse 3, the last part, and all the world, ungodly people only, no, all the world wondered after the beast. And when you wonder after the beast and what the governments of this world promotes and exalts, indirectly, you're worshiping the devil. You see, the devil would not come and sit and say, worship me. But he would create sports, and he would create fashions, and he would create other forms of entertainment. He will make money a god. He will make all of these things a part of society. And when the child of God wanders after that, you get carried away with this, and you get carried away with the fashion. You get carried away everybody. All the sinners are running, doing things, and you're running like that. <clears throat> you need to be saved. We can't let seasons captivate us. Customs captivate us. We can't be enslaved to what society is busy about. Busy about the church and serving God. Amen. Listen to me. I'm getting up there in age. I'm already there in age. 74 this year. I'm running. And how many years I've got? I don't know. But the message I have has never deteriorated from what God has planted in my mind years ago. Isn't that the same scriptures we used? The two scriptures, didn't we use that when COVID started? And we said, go jump back to it. But it was already preached in this church and already posted on Facebook because Facebook is the medium that God has allowed me to, to capture people and to put things. And today I put some nice spring flowers and stuff like that. And then you know all those who follow it. Right? And they follow that because of nice flowers and stuff. And then next week the message comes again. And they read it, but they will not put like because they know what the truth is. But you know, ever so often I get a message from a minister and a minister right here in North America that's not a part of what we're doing. 
And so when he says, he would say, Sir, I've got great respect for your ministry. A man that has degrees, a man that has a, that title is in front of his name and behind his name, make a comment and says, I really respect your ministry. He doesn't say I disagree or agree, but I know they disagree with a lot of things. But you know, a little bit of truth and a little bit of truth can penetrate. And after a while, I was telling, um, I was telling um, Jasmine today, I think I told you today, that Hans Hoppler that listens, that has followed me on Facebook, he never came to this church. But that was the man that drove by the security gate house. And when he looked at me, he came and he parked his car. He says, can I park my car and come back and talk to you? And Hans Hoppler came back and he stood there. He says, sir, he says, um, I don't know, but you're just a security guard. But when I come on in, there's a glow about you that attracts me. An ungodly man, never come to church. But a foot to foot, everything I put on Facebook, post, he's there. And you challenge me on Facebook, guess who would be the first person to, to challenge you back? Hans Hoppler. He'd tell you how great a minister I am. And he doesn't even know what kind of minister I am. But isn't that something that God... And I told somebody, if when we come forth in the final resurrection and many of children of God are coming, if Hans is there, he'll be saved. There are people that will be saved. There are people that when the Queen of the South is coming up, they'll come up with the Queen of the South. I'm still to pray, right? We're going to do that in a few minutes here. <clears throat> so, the Queen of the South, the men of Nineveh, a lot of people. That's when the general harvest is. The last, the final resurrection is not only a resurrection for damnation it's a resurrection that reaps the general harvest that God is going to reap and put into the kingdom of God and so here in Revelation chapter 13 it tells us this deadly wound was healed and all the world wonder after the beast verse 4 and when they do that when you wonder after anything that the beast is providing you're indirectly worshipping the devil Do you understand that? If I used to create video games, if I used to create video games, and let me use something else. There's a, there's a little something on, on the internet called um, Daily Dose of, of Internet. Daily Dose of Internet. And this young man, he gathers information, he catches things that you know you don't normally see something spectacular and he shows you a strange something and do you know every time you click on that and you go on that he gets a commission every hit he does when a person sit down and they make a violent video game everyone that gets into that and start to use that and start to submit themselves to that is worshiping the person that has designed it and if the devil has used that person to design it, you're worshipping the devil. And Satan walks away a winner. So the whole world, Revelation 14, is 13 is telling us, all the world wandered after the beast. They worshipped the dragon which gave power to human government. 
and they worship the beast. And God allows it here in verse 7, and it was given to him to make war with the saints. The system was given to make war with the saints. You think he's going to come with machine guns and, and dynamite and bombs? No. The war is a spiritual warfare. And it's being raged right now against the saints. And when I look at a church, how many of us are wounded in this warfare? It says, and it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given to him over all kindreds and towns. And all that dwell on the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. The influence that the devil would have is to cause the world to wonder. And here's the last bit that he does before it all ends up. <clears throat> and it says here, and he leadeth, verse, verse 10, And he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. And he that killeth with a sword <clears throat> shall be uh, shall be killed by the sword. Right? Here is the patience of the saints. And John looked, and behold, another beast coming up out of the earth. Now there were seven heads, but this is an eight head. A system that comes up that is a little different than the monstrous head of the dragon. See, we look at the dragon, uh, this beast having seven heads, you know. You look at dragon heads. Scary, right? Uh, you wouldn't want to see one of those heads. Well, the, the eight head, this one that comes up that was wounded, <clears throat> and whose deadly wound was healed, he exercised all the power, the same authority like the first beast before him, which caused and caused them that dwell, in the, and dwell therein to worship the first beast. It's all going back to worship the beast. And this, this one that comes up in verse 11, it says, And I beheld another beast coming up of the earth, but he comes up with two horns. Like a lamb. Is the genuine Christian coming up? No, he's a beast. It's a beast. We're living in that time when little heads would come up. And you would think something is happening. And you ignore all the rest and you get carried away. With a simple thing that is called deception. The ones whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life cannot be deceived. I pray to God that you're one of those. Because this seventh head heel becomes the eighth head, sounds it like a, like a, like a lamb. It says, he says, um, this beast has two horns like a lamb, but his message is that of the dragon. Look like a child of God, but the underlining influence in his life is of the devil. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the beast whose deadly wound was healed. There's a support of that system that the Protestant reformers wounded. And he says here, verse 13, let's read together. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven, 
on the earth in the sight of men. See, my concept, my speculation and conclusion on this, my best speculation, is if this dragon is trying to deceive mankind and he has two horns like a lamb, it means he looked like a Christian and he caused fire come down from heaven. Is that a mimicking of the Holy Ghost? Somebody says, well, they, 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 how, Holy Ghost is poured out. Is it what the scripture really supports? And he does great wonders. And make it fire come down from heaven and the earth in the sight of men. And this causes a great deception and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast that had, that, that, uh, that had a wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life to that image. The system with false doctrine, doctrines, false concept pagan customs and all kinds of that. See, Roman Catholicism is not dead. She might have a few perverted things, but she's going to come back in a form of working in the earth where the doctrines are maintained and you speak in tongues and prophesy lies and you think it's the real thing. It's going to be the greatest deception of all time. I'm here to tell you that unless God touches your mind and you can free yourself from the damnable internet and what you're reading on internet and what you're carried away with all conspiracy theories, there's no conspiracy theory in the Word of God. Amen. Men can twist it, but the bottom line of truth, it's truth that will set us free. Amen. So tonight, I'm talking to you, and we've got needs. I'm standing here tonight, and in my human being, in my human body, I'm weak. My spirit is desirous to be strong. Well, we've got needs, not only here locally, but needs in the fellowship. We've got a world that's being led astray. We've got to pray that God will protect his elect. And so join me tonight. I want everyone to stand. And I want you to join me with, in prayer as we bring these needs before God. And pray that God will show mercy on us. And help us. And heal us. Let's sing that chorus if my people which are called, you know it, by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. If you can, if you can, that's fine. Okay. And so tonight, remember Brother Sam? Remember Brother John? Remember the elders, not only in our local church, but around the world. Remember the ministers. Because if our ministers go blind... Our congregations can't say. May God raise up a witness in our day that will help us. May God give the church a measured place. Measure the altar, measure the temple, and measure them that worship therein. We need to come.
to the fullness of Christ and his measurement for the church so God can pour his genuine Holy Spirit upon the two witnesses in these days. My Father, we thank you for being there for your people. We thank you, dear Father, that you don't judge us according to our iniquities, but you have given us a chance and a privilege that we can approach you, Father, and call you our Father. Tonight, Lord, even though unworthy we are to approach your presence, Unworthy we are to make demands of you, Lord. We're here to beseech you tonight for your people. Lord, for our local church here in Mississauga. Tonight we think of all our elders in this assembly. Especially tonight, Brother Sam. Oh God, we pray that you'll have mercy on your people. Oh Lord, whatever you're working to prepare us for the future... May your work continue to work in our lives. Father, we remember those, every sick, sin child of God, every child of God in this assembly that's not well tonight. Joanne, Sister Chandry. Think of Sister Polly right here in church tonight. Think of Sister Phillips, Lord in Jamaica. Wherever your people are and their bodies are not well, Father, we pray you'll please heal us. 
Heal us from spiritual diseases. Heal us, O oh God, from physical ailments in our bodies. Touch my mind, O oh God. Touch my body, O oh Father. Let your healing virtues flow through our bodies, we pray. God, tonight, we pray for every member that's not here tonight. That, oh God, you will have mercy on us and save us. Save us from backsliding. Save us, save us, Father, from drifting into the world and being caught in this snare of deception, Father. Please save your people. We bring this fellowship before you, Lord, every one of our ministers. Those here in North America, in New York, Lord, and in North Carolina, and in Des Moines, and wherever. Oh, God, Connecticut. Lord, every part of the United States, whether it's Texas or coming all the way here to Canada, Father, every one of our assemblies we bring before you tonight, Lord. Oh, God, bond our hearts together. Have mercy on your people, Father. Oh, Lord, the plagues of society has really taken so many lives. We pray, oh, God, that you would have mercy. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on your people, Father. Touch our understanding in our minds, we pray, Father. Please, O oh God. We pray for our churches overseas. The work in India. The work in Africa. England, Father. Wherever the word of God is being preached. Lord, Haiti, Jamaica, Father. Wherever the word of God is being preached, we pray you'll build churches that will save your people. Save the ministry, Father. Save us from spiritual contamination, we pray, Father. Please, O oh God, take away pride and arrogancy out of our hearts and lives, Father, we pray. Father, we need the spirit of your Son. We need the spirit of our Lord Jesus. O oh God, we pray that you'll touch us, Father. Every one of us here tonight... And those related to us, Father, that are might be home, Lord, not well in their bodies, we pray you'll help us. We bring our community here before you. Our neighbors, Father, our friends, oh God, those living in this society, we bring them all before you tonight. God, please help your work. Oh Lord, every assembly that's bombarded by the devil, Father, help us to recognize deception when it comes. And save your people, Father, we pray. Your word tells us, O oh Lord, that you will hear when we turn. Help us to turn. Turn us, Father, and we will be turned. Please, O oh God, we ask. O oh God, we commit tomorrow before you. We pray you'll be with us in church. Continue to strengthen us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And for his glory. Amen and amen. And amen. God bless you.